The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, welcome everybody. Disability Law Show. We are back. We're glad you're uh, along with us here. And uh, some simple way to reach out and contact Savan and his team here is how you do it. Toll free, of course, one 821 5900 Disabilityrights.ca. That would be a website you can go to. And while you're there learning everything else, you can catch links to our long-running television program as well. We do that 30 minutes on the on the weekend, so you can check that out. Again, disabilityrights.ca and help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address. I know, Savan, we got uh, we got Albert with us again today. You guys got so much to get through and discuss, uh, always with our topic of disability lobby. You'll kick it off. What, uh, what do you got going on today, pal? Absolutely, John. Uh, again, very busy week. Uh, and again, you know, we're fielding questions about long-term disability from all three provinces where we help people with their long-term disability claims in Ontario, British Columbia, and Alberta. Uh, and, you know, before I get to a question that was just posted last week on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com, I want to tell you that I had a chat uh, yesterday with two of our uh, partners at the firm. One of them is uh, an employment lawyer, an employment law partner. The other one uh, handles disability claims and employment matters. So you see we have that dual expertise. Employment yep. law, where we're dealing with individuals who've lost their jobs or are having difficulty with their employers, especially now during COVID. It's very, very common, obviously. Uh, as well as people who are having issues with their long-term disability insurance company. And the reason why they wanted to have me on the call is because they're dealing with an interesting scenario where they're in the process of resolving the employment law matter. They have a client, uh, a joint client, and the client is um, was let go from his job, and he's also on disability, uh, on LTD. And so the question was, how do they structure the full and final release, that document that, you know, when you settle a case, the defendant wants you to sign. So if you're an employee, you've been let go from your job, you hire a lawyer, that lawyer negotiates a severance package for you with the employer, the employer is not going to just fork the money over. They're going to want you to sign a document called a full and final release, essentially releasing them from any further obligation in the future. Um, so that you can, you know, part ways, uh, finally. And so what happened in that case is there is an issue as to whether or not it's just the insurance company that owes our client long-term disability benefits, or uh, it, perhaps the employer may also be on the hook. I'm not going to get into the details of that case. Suffice it to say that we had to look at the release document, the final document, to make sure that it does not prejudice our client. So if he resolves this case with the employer, it does not preclude him down the road from making a claim for long-term disability benefits, either against that employer or against the insurance company if he gets cut off. And the reason why I'm saying this to our listeners, John, is because many people think uh, that uh, you know those two separate those two areas of law are are different, right? Uh, long-term disability, employment law, two right. separate areas of law, but they often intersect. There's often there are often key points within those areas of law where, if as a lawyer you're not cognizant of the effect of one on the other, you may think that you got a good deal on one side, only to find out that you are now. In a, in a worse off situation on the other side. And we see that a lot with people who are on disability or been let go because they're disabled, who are 
negotiating something with their employer, but then it affects their LTD entitlements. And also situations where the insurance companies deny your, denies your LTD claim, uh, and again, you go to the employer and the employer says, it's not our problem. We don't have to accommodate you. You have to go to the insurance company. That's not always the case. So again, if you're in that situation or you know someone who is battling their insurance company, their long-term disability insurer, or has questions about their insurance claim, please, please tell them to contact us. It costs nothing to speak with us about these kinds of issues. one 821 5900 Let me go to a question that was posted from Richard in Edmonton on our website, mydisabilityquestions.com, and here's what Richard writes. I'm currently on LTD for five months, awaiting hip replacement surgery. I don't expect to be back at work until early 2022. My question to you is this. Is my, uh, my employer has hired a new person in my position and has given them all of my sales contacts. When I return, is my employer obligated to give me my job back? Hmm. I'm under the impression that I will be terminated when I return. I've been with the company 17 plus years. I'll wow. be 58 this summer. Again, this is a real question from a real person in Alberta, uh, and it's on our, our MyDisabilityQuestions.com website. You can go and see my answer there, but I'll tell you what my answer was. My answer is this. Uh, an employer in Canada cannot let you go um, from your job uh, if you are disabled. And if they do that, now there is an exception there, but if they do that, they are potentially in breach of the relevant human rights legislation in your jurisdiction, whether it's in Alberta, British Columbia, or, or Ontario. And what that means, it means is that the employer potentially has to pay you severance or termination pay and potentially human rights damages. Now, again, we're not employment lawyers, but the reason why this is important is because Richard here is on LTD. And if he ends up getting terminated from his job, well, then he potentially gets severance from his employer, but there might be a provision in his LTD policy that entitles the insurance company for credit or, or an offset for that severance. And, and so the question then becomes, okay, well, how do we maximize the amount of money that uh, gets put into Richard's pocket? Well, this is where human rights damages come in because LTD policies generally do not allow the insurance company to get credit for human rights damages. So, so now any potential package we negotiate with Richard's employer may, uh, you know, we, we, we may have to figure out how we allocate the damages to human rights damages versus severance versus legal costs, etc., etc. So again, the answer is this. If, if you are on LTD or you're disabled and your employer lets you go, that is a potential breach of your human rights under the relevant human rights legislation. You may be entitled to human rights damages, severance, and we're going to have to look at how this potentially affects your LTD claim. So again, if you're in richer situation, give us a call, contact us. Costs nothing to speak with us about this kind of stuff. We can help you navigate the situation. It's a very, very tough situation. Obviously, Richard has been working there for over 17 years. Just imagine what he's dealing with right now, especially with everything with COVID that's going on. Uh, so, so again, please, if you have a question, go to that website, mydisabilityquestions.com. Or contact us directly. John, you're going to give out our, our website, our, our number, our email throughout the show. I really urge people out there to get this information to contact us. Again, help at disabilityrights.ca is the website we uh, or the email we refer to all the time here in the show. And that number, use it. Uh, have a conversation. Get educated, if if nothing else. one 821 5900 Albert, it's, uh, it's good to have you on, pal, back this week. Uh, what do you got going on this week? Back to back. 
Uh, very happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, for for this week, I mean, I think it's it's a good point to bring up. And a lot of times we have people call in, and they say, "I don't know how how long I'm going to be off of work. Am I going to be off of work for two months, four months, six months?" And the reality is, they don't know. No one knows. Not even their doctors. And so they're thinking, is this going to be worth it? If I'm only going to be off of work for two months, three months, four months, is it worth it for me to start a claim? And the reality is, if it's not all that worth it financially for you, it's probably not all that worth it financially for the insurance company to fight either. So it's probably worth it to get the money that you are otherwise entitled to. It's money that you're entitled to. You paid for years into this policy. You might as well get that money. But the tag-along point to all of this is that everyone knows these injuries are completely fluid. Some days you might feel better. Some hours you might feel better. Some months you might feel terrible. And you don't know if, the, if these injuries are potentially going to last for years. And you might as well start the process right away because if you wait that four or five, six months to start to even call us, now that's six months that you're behind, behind the eight ball. And... It's all, it, it, every case is going to take a certain amount of time to ultimately uh, reach a resolution. And so even if you don't know what's going to happen in the future, you might as well set yourself best up uh, for success right away and give us a call, give us a shout, and we'll tell you what your, what your best options and rights are. I mean, at the end of the day, it's money that you're entitled to. And if you end up going back to work, the reality is that usually those cases are very, very easy to resolve. In fact, I just had one this week where someone returned back to work after three months, and I ended up just being able to call the insurance company and get them a very, very quick resolution for those three months of benefits. So you might as well start the process right away. Yeah, it would be something, uh, Albert, that I, I, I agree. I mean, if you're thinking, oh, three months, I'm not going to bother going through all the rigmarole of getting them involved. But I, I didn't realize, I guess most people listening wouldn't realize that the resolution can be met in that sort of, uh, in sort of, that sort of speed, right? I mean, sometimes those are the, the, the quickest resolutions that we're able to get because now it's, now it's a finite amount of risk for the insurance company. They know the maximum that they're going to have to pay is three months. Really what they're worried about is paying on a, long t- on a long-term basis. It usually isn't all that worth it for them to fight for a three-month, four-month, five-month claim. That's why they call it LTD, and that's why you should fight because you're paying into it. It is money owed to you. That's what those premiums are for. It's not a it's not a windfall. It's not a lottery. So take advantage of it. At least get some information and uh, move forward with it. Going to uh, get to lots more here, guys. Got to take a quick break in that regard. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the toll free number. DisabilityRights.ca. The website help at DisabilityRights.ca as well. We'll continue Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Reaching out any time to Savan or Albert or a member of their team. Don't hesitate. It might just be a quick question or a short conversation. That's fine. The guys and the entire team are ready to uh, ready to answer and help. one 821 5900 Help at disabilityrights.ca, the email address. And any time you have any other questions when we're not on air or otherwise, mydisabilityquestions.com. Searchable database. You can look for your questions. Something similar may have been answered in the past. If not, leave 
leave it there and a member of the team will answer it and you can uh, enjoy the answer and then again contact after that if you need more uh, more clarification on it but savannah let's take it back to uh, to where you're going pal go ahead so, so John, I, I got an email this week uh, from a lady who wrote to me the following. She says, I have CRPS, depression, anxiety, and PTSD. And uh, just so people understand what CRPS is, it's actually a, quite a, uh, a painful condition. It's, it's called complex regional pain syndrome. And it's a broad term that describes uh, excess and, and prolonged pain and inflammation that, that you know, follows an injury to an arm or, or leg. So she has that, she has depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. And she writes, I went on short-term disability in January of 2020, so last year. And then I transitioned to LTD, which I have been on now since May of last year, of 2020. My LTD caseworker called me the other day and reminded me that I have one year left until I am reevaluated at a two-year mark. My caseworker also suggested that it might be a good idea that I apply for CPP disability now with the support of my doctor, I'm assuming in order to reduce my monthly LTD payments. Um, my doctor does not foresee me returning to any type of work even before the two-year mark uh, arrives. What are my options? So I want to break this down because this is really quite important and there's a few issues here to go through. Uh, first issue, uh, the idea of the two-year mark. Again, many of our listeners are aware of this, but let's just recap this. In the vast majority of LTD, long-term disability policies that people have with their insurance companies, either through work or, or private insurance, uh, in order to get LTD for the first two years, you have to show that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. It's called the own occupation test. Beyond the two-year mark, the test changes. It becomes, it becomes a little bit more difficult to meet. The test then becomes, can you do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? So not your own occupation, but any occupation for which you're suited for. And typically when people say, well, what am I suited for? I, I tell them, look, if you can get a job at that two-year mark that pays you 60 to 65% of your pre-disability income, uh, well, then you may not qualify for LTD beyond the two-year mark. Okay, so that's usually the, the test. Now, uh, in this case, clearly with this lady here, the doctor doesn't think that she'll be able to, to go back to any type of employment even at the two-year mark, even though it's a year away. The insurance company appears to me, just from that question here, uh, from the way this lady is phrasing the question, to also be acknowledging that this disability or the extent of disability that this lady uh, has uh, potentially will carry her beyond that two-year mark. And so what the insurance company is doing is they're telling this lady, apply for CPP disability. Now, again, CPP disability is a topic that we talk about, John, every single show because it yep. keeps coming up, rightly so. Uh, and again, let's make sure people are on the same page with us on this. The insurance company is not telling you to apply for CPP disability because they care about you. They care about reducing what they have to pay you. And in long-term disability law and in long-term disability policies, it's understood and accepted, and it's within those policies, that if you receive CPP disability from the government, that reduces the amount of money that the insurance company has to pay you for LTD monthly. So let's say you apply for CPP disability, you get approved, let's say for $1,000 a month. Let's say your monthly LTD payments are $3,000 a month. You're not getting the $3,000 plus the $1,000 for a total of $4,000 a month. You get still $3,000 a month, except that the insurance company now does not have to pay you 
the original 3000 they only have to pay you 2000 because they're getting a credit for that 1000 from CPP disability. And again, people ask me, why, why then do I need to bother applying? Well, you need to bother applying because if you don't, the insurance company will likely estimate how much they think you should be getting and then reduce your monthly benefits accordingly, whether or not you apply. And there's other reasons why it's a good idea to apply for CPP disability, one of which, incidentally, in this case, I think, uh, you know, really, really makes sense, is that if you apply for CPP disability, the government will approve you if the government determines, if Service Canada determines that your disability is severe and prolonged. Right. Well, guess what? If you then get approved, it's going to make it that much harder for the insurance company to come around later and say, we don't think you're disabled uh, at the two-year mark. Because here you have the government who's agreed that you are disabled fairly severely and, and that your disability is severe and prolonged. So again, it helps you with your LTD claim. Uh, not to mention the fact that if you do get cut off by the LTD insurer, well, then at least you have some income coming in right. from CPP disability while we fight the insurance company. But this is an issue that comes uh, you know, quite often that, that, that happens. People ask about CPP disability, uh, and people are obviously very concerned about that two-year mark and what's going to happen. And they're concerned for, for, for a good reason because you know, Albert and I and other lawyers on the team We've seen a lot of people getting cut off by their insurance companies prematurely uh, and and unjustly when the individual is still unable to work in any occupation for which they're suited for. And yet the insurance company doesn't care. They will use every reason and excuse to cut you off. Why? Because they know that the vast majority of people will walk away from those claims. They won't call us. They won't ask for help. They'll assume that you can't fight the insurance company. They'll assume that the, whatever the insurance company says goes. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. Trust me when I tell you that the insurance company is playing a numbers game here. They know that many people out there will simply walk away from money that's owed to them as opposed to actually stand up for their rights. And this is what we're doing here, right? We're helping people stand up for their rights. Whether you come to us for help, whether you call Albert or you call me or James or someone else on the team or you go to another law firm, that's your, that's your call. But don't simply accept what the insurance company is doing to you. Don't accept them cutting you off or stopping your benefits prematurely because there's a lot of money on the line and that money is owed to you. Albert, you must see this all the time. I mean, I know you do because we talk about it. Uh, but I, I, I'm sure a lot of times you speak to your, to your you know, clients or, or future-to-be clients and you, know, you open their eyes when you talk about these kinds of issues, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reality is you might, you might as well apply almost every single policy. I mean, every single policy that I see these days, I've yet to see one in the past couple of years that doesn't say that the insurance company is entitled to a credit for any CBP that you do receive. And some of them actually go so far as to say that if you don't apply, the insurance company is just going to take a credit on the basis of what you could receive. And so that's really problematic. And sometimes they don't actually tell you that, which is a problem in and of itself. Uh, but And they should obviously be telling you that uh, they are going to deduct money if you don't actually end up applying. But you might as well apply as soon as you might be entitled to it. And the question is, well, well when am I entitled to it? Usually after a year or before two years, you have a pretty good shot of getting it if you have some doctor support. So you might as well apply because for your intents and purposes, it typically doesn't really matter where you get the money from. And at the very least, when the insurance company does cut you off or if they do cut you off, 
you 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 at least have some money coming in on a monthly basis, which is going to help you help you stay afloat uh, until you're actually able to resolve any dispute with the insurance company. So definitely apply right away. It's one thousand percent going to help you if you get approved. So then the um, CPP, as you, as you described, is severe and prolonged. Does that mean you're going to get the two-year, uh, they're going to come calling after two years, or it's, it's a totally different metric with CPP? No, it's a different metric. It's, it's yeah. a different metric. I mean, once they approve you, they approve you. I mean, you yeah. need to obviously continue to provide uh, confirmation. Sure. Uh, it, it, it's not necessarily the case that if you get approved for CPP disability, you're now getting it forever, just like with LTD. Sure. Uh, but it's not like LTD where... You know, one of the biggest complaints, regular complaints I get from LTD claimants is is that the insurance company keeps bugging people for more and more documentation, more and more reports that confirm sure. ongoing disability. And we tell people, look, the insurance company is entitled to ongoing updates about your disability because these disabilities are not necessarily um, static, right? They're fluid. You, you may have a certain issue, whether it's psychological or physical or both, and you could be uh, bad now, but you could be good or better in a year or in five months or three months. So the insurance company wants to know. They don't want to overpay. That's the reason they're asking for updates. And sometimes the repeated requests actually border on harassment when they keep asking you for things and keep threatening you. And, and you know, in many instances, unfortunately, when the insurance company comes and knocks on your door and calls you just repeatedly, you feel like you're under the gun. You feel like you know you're you're being victimized essentially by the insurance company. And it's actually backfiring on your uh, progress. And I've spoken with doctors, with psychologists, who are very upset at the insurance companies for for you know being so difficult with their with their patients. Uh, and oftentimes, people who are trying to get better don't get better because of the pressure from the insurance company itself, which again is counterintuitive because the insurance company wants you to get better so they don't have to pay you. But, you know, John, at the end of the day, you have to do what you have to do in terms of making sure that the insurance company is updated as to your progress. This is where your doctors come in. I know it's more difficult now with COVID, but you got to get those updates to the insurance company. And if Service Canada requires updates, you got to get that to them too. But no, it's easier once you get on CPP disability than it is to remain on LTD in my experience. The number, guys, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the way to uh, to reach out. Help at disabilityrights.ca as well. I think we still got a, a couple minutes left to go, guys. Where do you want to take it? Let, let, let me let me um, uh, go into a question that was just posed to me by one of our intake staff who was speaking with an individual who contacted us this week, and this is about recurrence provisions. Uh, so, so um, essentially, this individual contacted us because he had LTD. He has LTD. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to go back to work, and uh, he was unable to. In other words, the attempt to return to work failed, and so he went back on LTD, which is great. The LTD insurer put him back on claim. Fantastic. Now, we just finished talking about that uh, two-year uh, change of definition, right, from own occupation to any occupation to continue getting LTD. And what this gentleman was asking is, once I go back on on claim after having failed my return to work attempt, does the two-year change of definition, does it reset itself? In other words, let's say I've been on LTD for a year. I have one more year until I get to the change of definition date. I've just tried to go back to work after that one year. I failed. I go back on LTD. Does that mean that now I have another two years to be on LTD? using that test of own occupation. Does that make sense, John? 
Or am yes. I confusing you? <laughs> okay. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and when I said to him, no, the test does not re reset. So this gentleman who's been on LTD uh, for, let's say, a year and then tried to go back to work and failed and went back on LTD after that failed attempt, there's still one more year on this policy where he gets LTD if he cannot do his own occupation. After that one-year mark, or in total two years, the test changes. To get LTD beyond that point, you have to demonstrate or show with the help of your doctors that you cannot do the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for. So again, very important. Uh, it, this is a very nuanced question. And, and yeah. many people out there have these kinds of nuanced questions. And again, you want to make sure you go to the right lawyer for answers for these questions. You don't want to go to a real estate lawyer or criminal lawyer or family lawyer. Uh, you got to go to somebody who, whose expertise is in long-term disability, which is the kind of stuff that we do each and every day at the firm. Yeah, it's good information to have, and I think people are some just kind of, they're just bashful. They feel scared to reach out, and they feel scared to tackle the insurance company. And it's like you said, it's the old David and Goliath, right? They shouldn't feel that way. They're paying these premiums for the most part, and uh, you know they need to take advantage of whatever benefits they have, correct? That's exactly right. This David and Goliath um, analogy is absolutely mm -hmm. correct. People feel like there's no way that they can take on an insurance company. And I'm telling you, I used to work for insurance companies. That's I did right. work for them. In fact, almost every lawyer on my team used to work for insurance companies early in their career. Uh, insurance companies, you're right, they have a lot of money. They got billions of dollars in, in funds, but they didn't make that money by fighting every claim. They made that money by figuring out shortcuts on how not to pay people what people are owed. So they collect premiums, but they don't pay out. And they know that most people, most people, when they tell a person, we're not going to pay you because of X, Y, and Z, they know that most people will walk away. They'll simply walk away from the money that's owed to them. And so what they're doing is they're banking on that. And the few people, the few, the, the small percentage of people out there, that actually stand up for their rights, the insurance company figures will fight some of those claims, but eventually will pay. That's okay. Even when we pay out to these individuals, it's going to be nothing compared to all the money we're going to save with all these other people who are walking away from millions of dollars that are owed to them. Right? That's the system. It's If you think about it, an ingenious formula. I mean, it's very sure. inequitable. It's very unfair. I think it's wrong. But we see this happening in Canada, in the States, really all over the world. That's the paradigm that really has made the insurance industry a gazillion dollar industry. That's how they make their money. You saw this with Katrina. You saw this with every type of, of natural disaster where insurance companies are not paying out. You saw it with COVID. For God's sakes, John, we have a class action that is going on since last year against insurance companies for travel insurance where they did not pay right. On, on their travel policies, and we're going to force them to pay. They're going to have to pay, but it's only because we for, we're forcing them to do so. So again, I tell people, stand up for your rights. Don't let the insurance company walk all over you. You have a lot more power than you think. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. That is the way to uh, reach out. The phone call email is help at disabilityrights.ca as well. This is a disability law show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
And welcome back, Disability Law Show. Thank you so much for sticking around. You want to reach the uh, the guys, in fact, a member of the team. Doesn't matter who it is. They're ready to uh, to answer that call and answer some questions as well. Have a conversation, get you down the right road to what you need to know. Toll free one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Website disabilityrights.ca, and the email address we always go to, or you should go to, is help at disabilityrights.ca. That that disabilityrights.ca, by the way, is a link to our long running TV show. We're uh, we're across the country with that a 30 minute taste of what you get here for almost an hour on the radio every week so if you want to check that out you can disabilityrights.ca in fact our, our pal sophia did reach out uh, savannah sent us an email says i came across your show on sunday mornings love the show she says question i broke my leg in september 2019 ongoing pain stiffness and reduced mobility has resulted in an exploratory procedure in december 2020 and recently approval from my surgeon to remove hardware from my leg The surgery date is unknown because of COVID-19 has caused the hospital to cancel elective surgeries. My LTD provider suggested that if the wait is very long, they want to explore my return to work part-time until my surgery. I spoke with my workplace uh, HR expert and my supervisor who advised me to ask if I return to work part-time, which would be in office, not remotely, would my benefits continue while I recover from surgery to remove hardware? It seems illogical to me that the LTD provider would see me as disabled if I have to work part-time. FYI, on the fifth day of the absence, my employer has a 15-week STD program. Thank you so much. What do you think about that? Well, why don't I feel this one? Um, so that, that, that's a great question, and the answer is it's so case-by-case. Case. I mean, I'd love, love for you to actually give me a call and provide me with your benefit booklet because that's really the starting point. We're going to have to review the benefit booklet and look at what these provisions say because every policy is different. Uh, a, a lot of these policies and the, the typical standard ones are, are really, really going back to first principles. The question is not whether you can work part time, but the question is whether or not your injuries, so your your breaking of your leg and all the different issues that arise from that are preventing you from doing the essential duties of your own occupation. In other words, are they really preventing you from doing your job? And so if you're generally prevented from doing your job, they can't force you to go to work part-time. The reason that I say it's case by case is there's a few policies out there, and I say a few because there's not all that many, and it's pretty rare that we actually see it, but every now and then we come across a policy which basically says, if you are able to return to work part-time and you do not, then that disentitles you to benefits. So you absolutely should have a lawyer reviewing your policy and making sure that whatever you are going to do is in accordance with that and is in line with that. And if, they, and if the insurance company is trying to force you to work part-time, at least you want to know what your rights are. So definitely give us a call. Savannah, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with everything that Albert said here. I, I think yeah. it is case by case. Um, I, I will tell you that just looking at it from a broad perspective, I, I want people to understand that our position as, as lawyers is that we will help you with the legal issue that you're facing. We're not going to help you, however, do something that is either illegal or unethical. If you can work, you should work. You absolutely should work. Uh, however, however, there is a practical reality here, which is that sometimes people do go back to work as a result of needing the money, uh, not being approved for LTD. And so 
it's not unusual for me and Albert, I think you have the same situations where people say, you know, I, I was, I was um, denied long-term disability, but I need money. I need money for my family. And so I have no choice but to go to work. And I say to them, okay, well, when did this happen? They say, well, five months ago. And I say, well, you're still working? Yes, I'm still working. Well, that creates a problem, right? Because if you are now able to work, even if it's with pain, for those five months, the insurance company is going to point to that and say, aha, you can obviously work. So we are correct. There are a lot of people out there who are work, you know, who work with pain, who work with discomfort. And they're right. It's true. Now, some people, I, I think we have to draw a distinction. Some people actually... Uh, go to work and work with pain, work with discomfort, and they can continue doing so. And there are some people out there who they work with this pain and discomfort, but it's like a sinking ship. In other words, they're not going to be able to do it for longer than a few weeks, a few months, you know, before they really, really get into a very bad state. And so to me, that's very different than somebody who just has aches and pains or some other difficulties and can continue working long term. I think the people who can continue working long term, potentially the insurance company is correct in that they are not disabled from working. They can work with discomfort. People, however, who are in a sinking ship situation where we know that they are literally killing themselves to work, those are the people that need help right now. And the longer you wait, to, you know, to Albert's former point, the, the longer you wait to actually get help, to speak with us about this, uh, the longer it's going to take us to help you, right? Because we, you know, you haven't come to us. And, and, and you're going to be in a situation where you're going to hit a wall, where you literally cannot get out of bed. And at the same time, there's no money coming in. So that's why we tell people, call us, you know, the, the earlier, the better right? Don't wait until you really hit that wall. Don't wait until you can't work at all. Uh, but yeah, case by case base, uh, you know, John, it's, it's so, it's so, um, uh, individual. It's so specific, uh, which is again, why we say that there are many nuances to each one of these questions. We can speak generally about situations to give people some direction, but ultimately this is the benefit that you get by contacting us directly that we can help you with your specific situation. Sophia, I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you reaching out. I'm going to give you the phone number since you have the email and you went to mydisabilityquestions.com, which is brilliant, by the way, mydisabilityquestions.com. That is a free place for you to ask your questions just like Sophia did, and they will get answered either on the show just like that or privately with uh, Savan or Albert or a member of their team, mydisabilityquestions.com. Help at disabilityrights.ca if email is more your thing, and always make the phone call. That's a quick way, right? one 821 5900 absolutely toll-free. We'll continue. A few minutes to go. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along. Albert is here. Savannah, of course, is here, and you are as well. You want to reach out after the show? You can do so. Something has piqued your interest. You got a question uh, for yourself or a colleague or family member? Don't hesitate. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca, or you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. That is also a a great way to do it. Want to get to a note here from Olga Savan sent us through again. Saw the show, uh, TV show on Sunday morning. So uh, glad she uh, she saw that. If you haven't seen that, by the way, before I get into this uh, this note from Olga, 
Uh, simply go to disabilityrights.ca. There'll be a drop-down menu for a station that carries the show near you. So here we go. says, uh, good morning. I'm obligated to do a telephone interview for LTD when I've been using my short-term disability benefits. Uh, and my background, my return to work date is May 17th, 2021. So that's coming up. Uh, I'm a teacher with a school board. I live in Toronto. I've been off work since November 13th, 2020, and will return to full-time employment, no accommodations, on May 17th. Uh, we are doing online teaching from home at the moment. According to my collective agreement, I must apply for LTD at the 75 day of day of uh, 75 day off to work to work mark. I guess that's what you mean. I have applied either way. Uh, on Friday, April 30th, 2021, this year, my doctor submitted the completed medical form indicating that I would be returning to work on May 17th. I have already had my return to work meeting with my principal yesterday, May 6th, 2021. Uh, all is set to go for my return to work. I will have another meeting with my supply teacher and principal to ensure a smooth transition. From April 30th, the LTD insurance company has telephoned me five times and has sent me to has sent me 10 emails regarding setting up a recording, a 40-minute interview for LTD benefits. My question is, am I obligated to do this recorded telephone interview? Also, what are the consequences if I do not do the interview? It is scheduled for this afternoon at 2 o'clock, I guess during the week. My union representative has not given me any answers to these questions. Thank you for your assistance. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's a big one here. Uh, So let me, there's a few things I want to talk about. Uh, First thing, we've helped a countless teachers, um, tons of teachers across the, across the province with their long-term disability claims. Uh, typically, we, t- we deal with OTIP. Um, that's here in Ontario. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've helped teachers. Uh, we've even had some cases that went to the media that were high profile with teachers. And I think that now with COVID since last year, uh, you know, teachers, frontline workers, it's been very, very tough psychologically for them. Uh, so, so unfortunately, we have seen a rise in these kinds of claims. Uh, now, in terms of this situation here, here's a thing that I don't understand. And Albert, maybe you can chime in here. This lady is set to go back to work. No accommodations. I don't understand why the LTD insurance company is asking for a phone interview. I, I actually don't understand why the insurance company is interested in, in spending 40 minutes interviewing her for LTD benefits with respect to her LTD benefits if in fact she's going back to work. So that's number one here. So so my view is that if you don't need LTD, no, you're not obligated to sit through any of these interviews because you don't need those benefits. There's no, no benefit to you in sitting through that interview. You're going back to work unless you think you're not going to be able to do that work and you're going to need LTD subsequently. In other words, if you're anticipating that you're going to fail, I don't think that's going to happen here. I mean, this lady is going back to work. Olga's going back to work with the blessing of her doctor. So presumably everything is, is going to be okay uh, or that's anticipated. So that's number one here. The second thing is this, and this is the last line that captured uh, a lot of my attention. She says, my union representative has not given me an answer to these questions. We see this time and time again, where unionized employees who are having difficulties with their long-term disability claims go to their unions for help. Now, unlike in employment law, John, you do the employment show with a whole bunch of our employment lawyers, Lior, Dave, a whole bunch of people at the office. 
and you know the messaging on the employment side is that if you have an issue with your employer and you're unionized only the union is allowed to to help you or to intervene on your behalf an external lawyer like us can't actually interject mm-hmm. themselves right. into a unionized environment that is not always the case in fact frequently is not the case with long-term disability when we're dealing with insurance companies in LTD cases oftentimes we can help unionized employees with their long-term disability issues, particularly when we're dealing with an insurance company, okay? And, and so it's really important to understand that unions don't have any expertise whatsoever dealing with long-term disability. Now, when you come to us, you're a unionized employee, and you come to us because you have an issue, you've been cut off or denied LTD, or you have some other question, we're going to obviously talk to you about the issue that you have, we're gonna review your policy, if, you need us to represent you with your LTD case. We're going to look at the collective agreement to make sure that we actually are able to represent you. And I can tell you that, again, in the vast majority of cases, for unionized employees who are having issues with their long-term disability insurance companies, we can step in and help you. In fact, going to your union may end up leading you down the rabbit hole because many you know, union leaders and union representatives will tell you to appeal those LTD denials uh, or LTD cutoffs. And you know, we haven't even talked about appeals here on this show yet, uh, John, but I think people know what our views are on these appeals, those LTD appeals that for the most part, they're useless, useless. they lead nowhere, and they're just a waste of time. But again, whether you're a unionized employee or not a unionized employee. If you have any issues or questions about your long-term disability claim, this is why we're here. This is why we created the website, disabilityrights.ca. You can get all this information there or contact us directly. Albert, I, I wanted to get your, your your view on this and situation here. I don't know if you're reading this email differently than, than, than I am, but I'm not really sure why the insurance company is asking her to sit down for an interview if she's scheduled to go back to work. What What, what, what do you think about that? It just doesn't really make sense to me whatsoever. I mean, the the insurance company, as soon as she returns to work on a full-time basis, doesn't have any financial obligations. It doesn't make sense that they would want to spend their own money and their own resources on interviewing someone. I, I, I mean, I, Savannah, I think you put it perfectly. Really, really, it depends on kind of what the long-term outlook is. If you're very concerned that you might not be able to properly return back to work, you might want to consider doing this 40-minute interview. And it's not because I necessarily say that the insurance company is right here, but sometimes you want to take the path of least resistance. So it's not if it's not going to cause you a lot of headache uh, to do, you're going to avoid some headache down the road. And, I mean, I mean, one, one thing you can say, one way to turn on the insurance company, and I love doing this, I love telling my clients to do this, is you can say, where in the policy does it actually say that I'm required to do an interview like this. And 99 times out of 100, the insurance company is not going to be able to point to any provision which entitles them to do what they're asking you to do. And and in this instance, it really just makes no sense. I mean, you're about to return back to work. Uh, your, your doctors have cleared you to go back to work. Why do they need to interview you? They're just wasting everyone's time. I I, I get your frustration on this. I 100% do. Uh, I, I would just turn it back on them. Ask them where in the policy that it says that you're required to do that. I bet they won't have an answer. 
That'll pretty much wrap it up for today, guys. Some good stuff there. Thank you, Olga, again for your note and reaching out. Uh, Sophia, you as well. If, if you want to do the same, you can do it any time. It's just there's several different ways you could do it. Start with the phone number, one 855 821 5900disabilityrights.ca is the website to catch links to our television show, as we've referred to a couple times already. Then there's the email, help at disabilityrights.ca. And another resource still, mydisabilityquestions.com. That is free and anonymous. You can use that any time you like. And we'll catch you next time. Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.